Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig. Hey, y'all. Dave. All hey. And Tori. Hello, Internet. And we start every week with good thing. So, Craig, what's uh, what's good? All right. You're going to have to excuse me. And be You're a little excused. Oh, thanks. Uh, given for us, the holidays are coming up. I just want to say my good thing are all my friends and family. Uh, you guys, being my friends, of course, are Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast listeners. And my... Also, my fans and viewers in my Twitch channel as well, they apply. So I hope you all have a good holiday and thank you all for being here. I applied to be your fan. Thank you. <laughs> yep, yep. Aww, that was sappy. Yep, as advertised, pretty sappy. Uh, all right, Dave, what's your good thing this week? Mm, my good thing this week, it's going to have to be the soundtrack from Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney. And so good. It's an oldie, but a good oldie, as in like ten. No, it's like actually like fourteen years old now. I think the original, like I think it was two thousand five, was when it was released for GBA in Japan only. But anyway, uh, I just found out that it is on Spotify, and it was only just released this year. Twenty, it's, it released January twenty nineteen on Spotify. I guess as part of the HD remake, they put it out on Spotify. That was this year, right? The Ace, Ace Attorney Trilogy remake, HD remake. Which, by the way, the updated HD graphics on the Ace Attorney Trilogy look really good. Uh, and also, just honorable mentions of game soundtracks on Spotify, they now have Chrono Trigger. Oh. It's the DS version, so some of the stuff's a little off if you're really familiar with the tunes, but it, it's still... Still gets the job done. Oh, DS version's pretty well done, so I think that's... The brass sounds a little wonky to me. Okay. It, it might just be familiarity with the Super Nintendo version, but... Yeah, yeah. So, recently I got to go to Video Games Live. Um, I think it was my fourth time seeing the concert. Um, but they did a Phoenix Wright medley this time. Right. It was pretty fun. <clears throat> What's your favorite song from Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney? Me or Tori? Both of you. I like um the, uh, the trial theme. The uh, turnabout something. What's it called? <laughs> They're all cornered? About, You're probably thinking of cornered. but Oh, yeah, cornered. Sounds like kind of like Guile's theme, but I guess Capcom's allowed to rip it off. <laughs> Dude, it's so good. I, I think Craig's version of that song is going to be my favorite one now. No! <laughs> that one's a classic. I, I actually really like Emma Sky's theme, where I think on the soundtrack it's like Turnabout Sisters Redux 20, 2009 or something like that. I have to so say, that- honor- honorable mention goes to Professor Layton and the Phoenix Wright crossover game. That's really good. If you like both games, it's amazing. Um and they have a pretty good rendition of Corner than that. Also, the soundtrack, is, while it is on Spotify, it's in Japanese. <laughs> so, 
It's okay. It's not like they're singing. Yeah, but the titles are in Japanese, so it might be hard to find the song that you want specifically if you're looking them up. But if you do like a search for Ace Attorney, I think then a, somebody that speaks English made a playlist, and you can use that to navigate to the soundtracks easily. Which is, might be why I've not been able to find that soundtrack on Spotify before recently. Dot done. <laughs> All right. Uh, so my good thing this week is actually a an amazingly good and generous thing was done for me. Uh, spearheaded by Dave, but nine other people also helped out with it, and I would like to list them. Um, Dave got me a Switch, you guys. It came in the mail the other day. I was I had no idea this was happening, despite Craig attempting to spoil it. <laughs> that just means I'm good at this. In in the manner of his accidental spoilers. Uh so Yeah, people... I sent him an invite to a Discord DM called Switch for Lamguin, and he was streaming, Craig was streaming, and Lamguin and uh sorry, Mike was watching Craig's stream and Craig was reading the DM out loud. Switch for Oh. <laughs> yeah, I my attention was probably on like something else and I just had the stream as semi background noise. Which, which I do sometimes. Um but yeah, the the other I'll people while recording this show that that pitched in on this and I would like to thank in this format as well as seeking them out otherwise to thank them are in alphabetical order because that's the way Dave wrote it on the card. Uh, Alucard 2004, Aradial, Dave, Hie408, Craig, under his Twitch name, so that it's, you know, still alphabetical, uh, the exact same, Tori, Ufir, Wildanico, asterisk, dot, 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 <laughs> XC Penguin, asterisk, dot, 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 nda69. <laughs> oh so I have to post this picture. You should uh, good things, or Dave art. Which, uh, I really, really enjoyed that part. I just thought it was very funny. There. I posted it in good things. Um, but it is it is incredibly generous, and thank you to all of you from, from the bottom of my heart. I, I can't believe you guys did this for me. You're welcome. Yeah. I'm glad you enjoyed it. You see, we played a little Mario Maker 2 the other day, and I was glad that you seemed to be having a lot of fun with it. We had to break it in properly. I I also like to say shout outs to me and Tori being in the same position alphabetically, whether you go by our first name or our Discord ID. Indeed. Yeah. So thank you guys. It's I've already gotten some use out of it and will continue to do so. And uh with the gift card that came or that you also sent with it, uh I was able to pick up the proper version of Terraria on the console for, for my wife because she has been playing on the 3DS version, which I don't know if you guys know this, but it is the worst version. There are the least features, and it sucks. Mm, yeah. So now she has a better version, and she just needs to actually sit down and learn the controls. Hey. So, Tori, what's your good thing this week? My good thing is a particular gas station. I know that sounds weird, but so my husband's best friend lives in Texas and we occasionally go down and visit him uh, in the Dallas area. And in Texas, they have a gas station 
called Bucky's. And you guys, it's an experience. These things are huge. It's like, it's a gas station, but it's almost as big as a Walmart. And it has everything you could possibly need on a road trip. Like, everything. They have camping gear. Like, they have tents and fishing poles and canoes. And in the summertime, they even have swimwear. And they have grills and firewood. And, like, there's an entire store in this gas station that has everything you could possibly need. There's, like, coloring books for the kids. They have a whole freaking pharmacy aisle. They And the snacks. You guys, they have so many snacks. (laughs) They have a fudge counter and a beef jerky bar and they do brisket and just everything. They have everything that you can imagine needing on a road trip. They say everything's bigger in Texas and Bucky's is a fine example. Okay. Uh, There's another podcast that I listen to called Wonderful, hosted by Griffin McElroy and his wife, Rachel. Uh, where that's actually where I got the idea to do good thing on our podcast, uh, where like their whole podcast is basically they each bring like something and talk about it that they like. Uh, Griffin at one point brought this exact thing, and I'm going to now dig up this episode so I can send it to you because he mentions like a very specific snack that you can only get there that I need you to look for next time you go. Um, this what you were describing sort of reminds me. Uh, I went on a road trip from the East Coast out to Colorado, and we actually stopped at a couple of, like, these giant, like, truck stop type things, because that just happened to be where they had chargers. Um, not as big as this one that you showed us, because you did link it to us in the, in the good things. Um, but it's the same sort of thing where they have, like, a variety of food and stuff you can pick up. And, of course, it is a place to get gas. I did stop at one truck stop. It had, like, showers, and you get a number if you wanted to get a shower. It gets called, like, it's this whole thing. I'm like, that's actually pretty cool. Oh, yeah, I've been to those before. Those are, like, specifically trucker truck stops. Right, yeah. Like, you're you're making a long-haul trip across the country, and you just need a place to stop for a shower. Bucky's isn't like that. Bucky's is, seriously, it's like a Pier 1 in the state of Texas had a baby, and... It's a gas station <laughs> because the store in there, you, like I'm, I'm not big on shopping, but you walk into this Bucky's just thinking you're going to get like a soda and some snacks, and and then you you stand in awe of like there are throw pillows and blankets and home decor and candles and it just and the store just goes on and on, hmm. yeah, and and if you're ever driving through Texas and there's a Bucky's Within like 200 miles of you, you're going to know because the billboards start, hey, it's 200 miles to the next Bucky's. Oh, and that's like the south of the border that we have on the East Coast. So, yeah, next time you're in Texas, if you're driving through and, and you're near a Bucky's, stop in. You won't regret it. Okay. So, Dave? Huh? You, you still with us, bud? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Would you like <laughs> to talk about some chapters this week? Okay, um, let's see, eeny, meeny, miny, let's talk about chapters 44 through 48 of Brandon Sanderson's Warbreaker. Future Mike thanks you. Okay, chapter 44, Brandon eats too much dessert. 
The God King. <laughs> well, listen. The God King always coincidentally bears a stillborn son who becomes a returned. How is Babby returned formed? Oh no. <laughs> Shift delete. Undelete it. Undelete it. <laughs> uh, okay, so Brandon was on a cruise ship and ordered a bunch of dessert and ate too much and threw up on the cruise ship because is there was some turbulence. Or is that a fact? That's a word of Craig of Brandon. I didn't say he ordered a lot of dessert, but he did do. Listen, this whole thing it's it's based on a true story. It is of Brandon, and I bet you his wife was like, uh, "Mr. Sanderson." <laughs> I do believe you're eating too much dessert. You're going to get yourself a tummy ache. Yeah. And of course she was right. And Girl. that is how married couples speak to each other. Can confirm. <laughs> Can confirm. Well, you can call your wife Wife Gwyn. Uh, no, only when I'm on Twitch. <laughs> I am somewhat leery of saying her real name on the internet too often. Just there's There's weirdness involved. Alright, so, God King always coincidentally bears a stillborn son. So, Siri has this theory that they actually first find some rando stillborn returned, and then they're like, okay, that's new God King. Uh, God Wife King, you, you're out. We have your baby now. Your baby, we will say, is this guy. And there's still, a question of how does baby returned even how do you be a stillborn and exemplify some kind of virtue i think i might have asked that before but yeah supposedly according to the hellenian religion uh you become a returned if you are a paragon of some virtue like bravery or honesty or loyalty or fun or generosity or friendship and yeah, but if you're if you're stillborn, how do? So we don't know. So it'll be answered. And no. then uh, Siri's like, well, if they're just gonna get some baby and replace me anyway, may as well give in to our passions. And she deletes her shift. <laughs> oh, I get it now. Do we get a wink fade out? Oh, we do. I don't want to overuse it. There's also a really um. A, a clever related word that I don't want to say on this podcast. Okay. All right. That's the end of chapter 44. So, yep. They're uh, consummating their marriage. Or so you think. But pretty sure they are. Because in the next chapter, she's like, I could be pregnant in a year and have a baby soon. Or the other way around. That's chapter 46. Or seven. All right. Any questions about chapter 44? Nope. Okay. Chapter 45. I think my book is missing some pages. <laughs> All of our books are. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is... This chapter was so short, I swore it was a Hraithan chapter. Oh, but um, get wrecked. It was one sentence and three fragments long. So... He he sort of moved away from this since Elantris. Elantris was fine. very much he was trying to balance out, you know, the yeah, he was trying to do triads, yeah, right. And in in Mistborn, he got away from it because it's like it was too structured, too too restrictive. Mm-hmm. But here it's like he's talking about annotations for this particular chapter. Uh, he he wanted it for the tension, like like this something is happening, but. 
as time went on and he wrote the book, we actually got more from Light Song's chapters. They were very much like humorous and light until this point. But instead, we've actually, you know, we've seen his dreams and we've gotten hints that something more is there. And this chapter isn't as like shocking as it was in the past. So, uh, thought. Well, I. So what? Nick, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to point out the juxtapositioning of this most intense dream with the actions of Siri and Lord King. Yep. And perhaps the dream is some kind of psychic result of Babby Formage. Or at least from the literary perspective, I think that it's kind of like the hey, Ish is going to go down soon. Pointing to that. Maybe. We'll have so- to read and see. What it reminded me of, uh, so story time, uh, when I was, oh, probably 10 years old, I guess, uh, uh, 10 years old, I so went 10 years with ago. my, yeah, right, yes, of course, uh, no, uh, so I went with my grandmother to visit her parents, my great grandparents, and while we were visiting, uh, we went to a used bookstore, and I found a novelization of the movie Gremlins. And it was only like 10 cents. So grandma bought it for me. And and I I entertained myself by reading this book. And so in the book, it's like, okay, uh, don't feed it after midnight and don't get it wet. And this is very important. Okay, you need to remember these very simple rules. And then the next chapter is Billy Forgot. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I thought it was so funny. I thought it was so funny. That was the whole chapter. And then you turn the page and it's a new chapter. And 10-year-old me thought that that was freaking hilarious. And uh, I'll remember it always. So that's what that reminded me of. Eh, what's the worst that could happen? I mean, there's a similar thing in The Princess Bride, the book. Mm. <laughs> there's, the uh, Princess Bride, the book, just straight up says, like, okay, this chapter is not important and I'm skipping it. <laughs> between one thing and another, three months pass. Or three years. I don't know. I haven't read it in a while. I should reread that. It was really good. Good one. Um, but yeah, like, and then in parentheses, here's here's the basic rundown of what was in the chapter. It's not important. Feel free to move on. So, Dave, feel free to move on. Chapter 40, Mystic. Vasher and Vivenna continue peacemongering. Who is Vivenna? Did they, like, introduce this new character, Vivenna, in this chapter? It's like, who is she? Yeah, she shares a name with another character. We don't worry about her. Breath needs color. Where does the color go? Ostrism suddenly turned its back on awakening. Halfbeard. Vasher doesn't shave. Possible returned? Fairy time. Spontaneous sentient biochromatic manifestations in a deceased host. Or subcomiade for short. <laughs> Clearly. Biochromatic investiture. Type 1s. Mindless manifestations in a deceased host. Uh, Vash nerd is more like it. Does Vasher know Claude? Type 3. Awakened objects. Type 4. Nightblood. Vasher wants Vivenna involved in sordid affairs. That's S-W-O-R-D-E-D. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we got it. Thank you. You got it. <laughs> uh, I, I did want to touch back up on chapter 45. Um, that, like, 
Or is that? No, we'll 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 talk about that in forty seven because we got a late song coming back. Okay, so Vasher and Vivenna are still trying to undo the damage that Vivenna did. I'm trying to undo the trying to reverse the momentum away from back away from war. And Vivenna is contemplating who she truly is on the inside. She's not the so much the uh, arrogant, naive princess she was, but she doesn't see herself as one of the street rats either. She's like something in between. But when she strips away all of her circumstances, what she sees at her core is somebody who is determined and who wants to help others. And so here we also have that anytime you awaken something, you have to draw color from a piece of fabric or a nearby object or something. I think also they use sticks. And I feel like that's not new information. It's just information I overlooked before, or it was information that was hinted at before. But They pointed it out before because they talk about how it's obvious there's an awakener because their clothing happens to be gray because it draws from yeah. their body first. or. And- it talks about, uh, I think, like the floorboards at one point when um, Light Song is analyzing the, the palace. The light boards where Awakening happened are a different color. Because you can tell Awakening. Oh, I thought that they were just a different color because there was a hatch there and they didn't no, quite No, no, there, the there was Awakening done and that stands out. Yeah, I do I do remember Vasher having gray clothing in that scene and I didn't, I didn't understand why. Yeah. I kind of made a big deal about it, but now I get it. And uh, apparently, according to Vasher, who is probably older than he seems, uh, he seems to remember some things about uh, the discovering of Awakening quite vividly. And he says that ostracism, the religion of the uh, Idris people, our main heroes, ostracism suddenly turned its back on Awakening. So apparently it was acceptable at one point in their religion and they forgot about it. But Vasher remembers. And Vasher also has a half beard. <laughs> it says half scruff, half beard, or something like that. Well, that's only one quarter beard. So, wait, wait, wait. I want to go back to the color thing. Okay. So, he doesn't have to color his beard or shave it. <laughs> no, I meant about how Awakeners draw color from their surroundings. Wait a minute. Couldn't she just draw color from her hair and, like, regenerate it? Well... She'd have to remove her hair first. If it's attached to a living body, like if it's part of a living body, you can't draw color from it. That's why she couldn't pull from the tree. Oh, I see. So she can't use her hair until her hair is dead. We've already established this. Yeah, but it's attached. It's okay. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, The royal locks are different, I think, as far as word of Brandon goes. Although I think they could totally be used if she cuts. If it's like she makes it a color that's not gray, and cuts it, I bet she could use it. Alright, so, <laughs> Vivenna also notices that Vasher doesn't ever shave, but his beard doesn't grow out, so in other words, his at least certain features of his physical appearance don't change from day to day. So, he quite possibly could be a return. Okay. And then, he goes into this whole, like, he starts geeking out all over Princess Vivenna about theory, biochromatic theory, and all that stuff. And there are 
Uh, he said something about biochromatic investiture, and I just thought that was an interesting term because I think that was the term we used in Mistborn to refer to the the three different investitures of how to access the door. Oh, that was the other one. <laughs> you just mixed all of them. <laughs> it's almost like they're all they all take place in one universe. Dang, investiture is what somebody we call should make system. a podcast about that. The yeah. three different metallic arts that allow you to access the door using biochromatic breath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Hoyd was there. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, there are four types of biochromatized things. Biochromatic entities. Biochromatic entities. Yeah, there are four types. Uh, there is, of course, the Sbukamehida. That's, uh, that's the awakened, the uh, returned, rather. So it's a, it's a dead person. And with sentience and then you have a lifeless which is a dead person without sentience and then you have an awakening which is an object without sentience so could there possibly in any of our travels could we could we come across anything that might be an inanimate object that becomes awakens but like different so that it's sentient i don't know i've never heard of such a thing it sounds a little far-fetched so Vivenna asks about that, and Vasher just completely avoids the question. And then he's like, here's a sword, learn how to fight, I'm sick of defending you. And that's the end of chapter 46. <laughs> yeah, All right, so, go ahead, Craig. I, I wanted to talk about color, because uh, you asked that question, like, where does the color go, or how is it used? Something like that, in your bullet points. Yeah, yeah. So, I sort of wanted to talk about it, not, not to tell you, because I can't. I don't actually know. Um, but I feel like in this instance, color is sort of similar to metal it, from from the alimentic. Okay, part. that makes sense. So, so the... it, it's a fuel source. Um, it's not invested. It's color isn't invested like it doesn't have any power itself, but it's sort of used as a as a fuel, as a catalyst. So that's my own personal thought. What do you guys think? Yeah, that tracks. Makes sense to me. Another mystery solved. Yay! Everyone wants cake. Chapter everyone wants cake. I would like some cake, please. Hold on, Dave. Yeah, Mike, you had something. All right. So we've been waiting for Professor Vasher for the whole freaking book. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, This this chapter I feel like gives a lot more insight into Vasher's whole deal than definitely than you've gotten so far. So now that you have that. Do do your feelings about him as a character change with this new insight? No. <laughs> okay, you. I don't think you had this thought, but the intention was in the beginning. Vasher was supposed to be mysterious and potentially villainous, especially because she was in or he was in conflict with whatever Dent's plan was. So I think that's what Mike is asking about. Now that you you're seeing his side, do you do you have a different frame of thought? He seemed pretty cool before. True. He had Nightblood. And he created Aloysius. Eh, I got no problem with Vasher. Never did. He's kind of a jerk, but, you know. He, all I nerds, like nerds he have has, a tendency to be arrogant. I, I'd like to think he has, like, maybe an eight charisma. Sure. He has a high and low charisma. Yeah. He's house. He is house. He, he is house. Oh, my gosh. Uh, why didn't we cast him? I'm not sure. I didn't think of it until just now. It would have been a spoiler. Eh, sort of. Uh, so, yeah, go ahead and finish 
your chapter summary, and then I'll I'll get to the rest of my questions. Chapter forty seven. Light Song wants to forget his dream, but but Nightblood was in the dream. Why would you want to forget that Light Song? Light Song wants to remember Calmseer. Light Song's dream girl is still alive. Light Song visits the troops. Light Song hacks the troops. How do lesser commands work? Wait, All right. is it hacking when you're given the password? Yes. Okay, continue. Is it breaking and entering if you leave the door unlocked? <laughs> okay. All right, Light Song wants to forget his dream, uh, but he decides that if he doesn't take action, then he will have blood on his hands, so he needs to try his best to do it at his right. Uh, that's what Calmseer maybe would have wanted. I don't know. And so he actually gets a little info out of Larimar here, and he Larimar reveals to him and to us that the girl from Light Song's dream was A, not his wife, B, someone very close to him, and three, uh, still alive. And that makes Light Song motivated and want to save her. And so he goes into the where the uh, garrison the lifeless armies, and he he's got what twenty thousand passwords to change, and he can only do twenty at a time or something. Ten thousand. So he goes he goes sure. and ch- changes. Well, it's his ten thousand and uh, and all mothers ten thousand, right? Oh, that's true. He is changing his. Yeah. So yeah, he's got twenty thousand. 20,000 lifeless to change your password, and he's changing them to Red Panther. We haven't seen that before. And, yeah, he also has, like, a, a sub-password that allows, like, admin access, but not, like, total control of them. And what's to stop an admin from sending a lifeless out to war? Like, how is... It depends, so... How are these le- like? What are the limits on the, a lesser command? They can apparently use them to bolster the city guard to go into the city, but they can't send them off to war in Idris. What the heck? Right. So, so the way this works is that imagine that Life Song has full control over a lifeless. He can. Who's add- Life Song? What did I say? Lifeless. He said Life Song. Life Song. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Light Song. Anyway. Imagine he can add and remove commands. Like, he can have a list of commands. I don't have to imagine it. He does it. He's doing it in and this chapter. The sub-commands that he can give out to his priests and whoever else, essentially, they have they only have read access and execute access. So they can only execute certain commands. Or, I guess, well, yeah. So they can only execute commands. But they can't add and remove the commands. And it's only whichever commands that he allows. So they probably don't have the ability to send them off to fight, but you can do city guard stuff because that's probably the command guard is there, but not attack people. I'm pretty sure the lifeless were attacking people in the city. Yeah, but there's reasons. Okay. Any questions about chapter 47? Do you have any questions about chapter 47? Yeah. How do lesser commands work? I just said that. You didn't ask if I had unanswered questions. Oh, okay. That's fair. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> uh, Fel Knight right. says domain admin versus power user. There you go. So if any Song of that means activated god mode. Yes. I mean, he would. He's a god. So. Got it. Guys, do you remember 
that game Rise of the Triad and there was totally a god mode power up. And then when you had it, you go. Nope. What the heck? Because you're a god and you just go. And then there was also a dog mode and you get to be a dog and move around. Dog mode. Oh, my dog. (laughs) Obscure gaming knowledge. Let's go. Chapter 48. Chapter 48. So uh, we learned that uh, Siri and Susebrin have, uh, well, she has been continuing with her nightly duties. And uh, it brought an interesting question that I'm sure I'm not the only one to have thought about it. And I wonder if Brandon would have an answer to it. But uh, say, as far as the royal locks go, say like uh, King. Dedalin grew a beard. Does his beard change colors? Yes. Okay. Uh, chapter 48. Seb wants to take his throne, but Siri wants to flee. Seb's phone is fully charged. Time to crash the assembly meeting. Alright. Uh, so, Sebrin wants to take action and, you know, actually be the God King and ascend to his throne and take control to you know, to help to prevent his country from going to war. Siri thinks it's better just to run and hide. But then she's like, oh, wait, then you'll die because you won't be you won't get your weekly dose of breaths. And so Severin's like, well, I'm not arguing for running and hiding, but that's not the case. I can actually use all of the breaths that I've been receiving, including the uh, royal inheritance, and I can live off of that. So he's got a fully charged battery, probably even like a backup generator. So he could probably live for a really long time without eating more kids. I mean, we we went through the map before. He's getting at least two a week and uh, return only need one a week. Right. And he's 50 years old. So if you figure even if he only had what he's been getting, then he should be able to double his lifespan. Right. Yeah. But he had on he has on top of that the royal inheritance. Right. All right, and so now their plan is to go to the assembly meeting where they're possibly going to decide whether or not we go to war with Idris, and uh, Siri's going to be like, well, I'll do it, and then and then uh, Susebrin's going to open his mouth and be like, oh, see, oh, and that's their plan going into chapter 49. Top tier radio right there. (laughs) That was a peak listening experience, you talking without a tongue. Oh, boy. You had some questions for me, Mike. Indeed I do. Uh, So you've gotten the fairly in-depth rundown on the magic system. How well do you feel like you understand it? Uh, eh, uh, okay. Like, if I had a final exam now on this magic system, I'd probably get a C+. Plus. I mean, you already have the acronyms down, so there you go. You just got a lecture on it. Pop quiz. But I didn't take notes. Yes, you did. I was doing crossword puzzles on my phone during the lecture. What is a sentient in a deceased host? A sentient in a deceased host? Uh, overturned. And what type is that? Type A. <laughs> Close enough. 
one. You pass. Alpha. So, okay, yeah, I so need I, I, I need to cut in here real quick. Uh, when when our kitten Peanut tries to get into stuff, we sort of wave our hand at her to to like sort of say, "Hey, if you keep doing this, you're going to get a smack." And she attempts to slap our hand away when we do this. <laughs> she thinks you're playing. Oh. Um. Okay. So, uh, shoot, you threw off my train of thought. Sorry, it was happening right now, and I needed to share it. We were talking about type. I think Light Song is a type A personality. Uh, uh, um, yeah, Blush so it took Weaver's us a while. Definitely a type A, huh? It took us a while in this book to actually get to the map. Yeah, I was just thinking that. I was like, we're only now getting a basic rundown of the mechanics, and we're what four fifths of the way through five sixths, maybe. Page 527. A lot of this is ours or canon. So, uh, like a hundred pages left. I think, what do we have? Two or three episodes after this only? Uh, we have like three episodes plus the end, or maybe it's four. Let me see. Uh, anyway, Sorry, the check whole point, the royal diadem. I will check. It's three more episodes. Um, including wrap up and then an overview. So, three and then an overview. Okay. So, the whole point is that he was trying again something new with this particular book. In Elantris, we sort of didn't really get this in depth until the very end of the book, essentially. Um, oh, yeah, this one, of course, like, from the beginning. We they're like, the Aeon door is how you get the door. And then they're like, carbon bones is also a door. Dancing is also a door. There might be other doors. Okay. And then, uh, Mistborn, we got it right away because Kelsey was teaching Vin. So we got to, like, learn all about Alamancy. And of course, there was still more to learn with each book, but at least, we were familiar with the magic system. And that, I mean, that was a key point of that whole trilogy is us being familiar enough that we get to do more from it, which was a really cool thing that they did with the trilogy. So now we have Warbreaker and it's like, well, he didn't present it right away, although he showed it being used. But now we're actually getting the information. So I would say we are getting more information compared to Elantris. So we can sort of deduce certain things based on this description and, and sort of how it works. but we don't know as much as Alamancy. So, um, again, he was trying to say, hey, let's introduce the magic system in the middle of the book and see how it goes. And we didn't really have a character because Vasher wasn't, although he's a viewpoint, he was very limited. So we didn't really have an Awakener as the main cast. So we couldn't focus on learning it. And now we have Vivenna who wants to learn it. And I feel like I'm talking to myself. And now we get to learn it. Yay! Uh, so any predictions for how the end of the book is going to go now that we're we're getting close to avalanche time? Well, I figure things are probably going to get pretty intense. And then <laughs> every, the whole world will be on the brink of destruction. And then uh, everything will be all right in the end. Well, we already had the Sander wave pool. <laughs> um, all right. So going back to Craig's thing about color. Uh, the the whole dye industry in Halandrin is based around these flowers called the Tears of Edgley. Um, these are the the source of their dyes, which is then the source of the bulk of their of their wealth. Like they're they're the center of a dye trade empire, basically. And I was just thinking, I, I was thinking about it as I was reading, but I didn't make a note of it. But yeah, the whole using all the colors for everything in Halandrin 
makes sense now. Uh, and then the part of the reason that the uh, that the color can fuel the magic system is because they come from these flowers, which are special, uh, and are actually named after the shard holder on this planet, Edgley. Hello, still there? I think you're blowing We're still here. Mind. What's a shard? You know what a shard is. I'm not it's, supposed to. Yes, you are. You've read Mistborn. Do they talk about shards in Mistborn? Yes. Oh my god. Yes. I, I remember there being two shards, but I also have the context of listening to you guys talk, like Cosmere 101, mm-hmm. episode yeah. zero. We physically see shards at the end of Mistborn. No, that was Redhead and Vin. Yeah, but Sazed also picks up the shards. We see him do this. After Redhead and Vin die. Yeah. They're not like, are they like jewels? Or just like little light entities? It's power. There's there's not, as far as I know, there's not like a physical like thing right. you pick up. It's so not Final Fantasy. You don't so grab a crystal and become a god. So when Craig said we <laughs> see them, he lied because they're invisible. Shards then- are people and also power. And people that hold that power. Gotcha. And sometimes like- not people, but let's not get into that quite yet. So I was going to talk about this more in the spoiler section. You mean Aloysius is going to become a shard? Spoilers, yes. That's my theory. That is my theory, yes. Uh, But I'm bringing this up because it's not really brought up in the text. This is a decent place for you to learn this, and it doesn't matter. Well, uh, so what I was going to say, Dave, is, you know, in Mistborn, we had Atium, Mm -hmm. and that was Ruin's body. And because the redhead's name was AT, so ATM was named after him anyway. So the Tears of Edgley are named after Edgley, who has the shard on this world, Malthus. And so the flowers are basically the ATM here. But you ATM with me? Isn't, yeah, ATM isn't really an alimantic metal, though. Right, but it is a metal on a world where all of the magic system is based on metal. And here on this world, where all the magic system is based on color, the colors are coming from this flower. Like, you can use the colors in other things that are not related to the flower in the same way that Aeon Door still works if you're not in the city of Elantris. Ah, that makes sense. But it's so all better. All you have to do is name something after your god and you'll get superpower. Yes, right. that's clearly yes, how that's, it works. Mm-hmm. That's it right there. So, if I change the name of, like, a BLT sandwich to a Sander sandwich, then I would have the ultimate power, because Sanderson is the god of, like, the entire Cosmere. Because he, like, created it and writes all the... Wow. The the meta-gods. I'm hungry. Hi, hungry. I'm Mike. Dole. Alright, are we good to go into Spoiler Town for a minute? Do you guys yeah, even have anything yeah. in spoilers? I know we'll I am. Alright. Bye, Dave. Hi, guys. Bye, Dave. Alright, we are Daveless. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. So... Okay, I've got one thing that I want to go into some more. Um... Earlier when we were talking about um, hair 
and is it dead? And I said, no, I think the royal locks are different. Um, I got on the Coppermind and I did some searches and there is a word of Brandon uh, where somebody asks him if a shard blade would cut the royal locks. And because you remember from the Stormlight Archives that the shard blades uh, don't cut living things like they can cut the right. shell they, they, on. They sever critters. the soul from the yes. body. So. And, and so this word of Brandon, which I found randomly while I was looking at the sources on other articles, because as far as I can tell, this particular answer is not linked in any article on the Coppermind. Um, but somebody asks him, you know, what would happen if a shard blade cut the royal locks? And uh, so it's alive. The, the royal locks are alive. Uh, the hair would not be cut, but the royal person would no longer be able to change the color past the cut. Hmm. Makes well, sense. that's interesting. Yes. So I, I'll link this for you guys in spoiler chat. But, um, so yeah. that sort of goes along with my theory about how the royal locks work. Because it's very specific. If you are the king or your children, you get the royal locks. But the moment that Ridger, however you say his name, the moment he becomes king, I think the locks stop working for Siri and Vivenna and Fafin if she even had hair, uh, which she shaves it off. But it just it just stops, and I believe it's connected to uh, identity. It, it's sort of what they, not necessarily what they feel. Well, maybe it is how they feel, but I believe it is linked to that whole weird concept of identity that gets brought up and uh it's linked to the identity of, of being the king or one of your his heirs and it, it's sort of like because they so we know it's linked to the fact that they're children of return of i think the first returned um and so it's sort of similar to how like vaster can change his appearance or at least keep his beard the same way he wants it and how the other returns show up how they they want so I, I believe it's very similar, and it just happens to be you can change your hair color. Maybe that's just all they believe. I think Vavena and Siri and whoever else has more ability to do more things. It's just because that's what's accepted and what's known, all they do is change their hair and link it to their emotions. Right. I think that was in the entry on the Royal Locks um, that yeah. they they would have the ability to change their appearance similar to the way Vasher does. Um, they just don't know. They don't know how to make Babby. Mm. Yes, right. A lot of people have that problem, apparently. Mm. So, um, similarly, I did want to discuss the biochromatic entities. Um, I mean, is there more to them than what Vasher just went over? Uh, I, I wanted to link it towards the other things that we know about. Uh, specifically, I wanted to talk about how you use more breath the further away something is from the, a being a not being alive but having the form of a human or something that is alive anyway um, human shape again, and being made of organic material are the things right, that right. help um so specifically we have seen the cognitive realm in in the stormlight archives and in there we've actually sort of interacted with the minds of other things specifically objects like sticks so 
we know they have thoughts about what I guess their purpose, what their identity is, what their job is, that sort of thing. Um, and I believe this is sort of linked to, to the way awakening works. When you're, you have a humanoid type form, if you're organic, it's much easier to change your mind to be awakened compared to something that was further removed because you don't have that, those thoughts of like, I know what this is like. I remember what this is like sort of thing. So I so, think it's very much linked to the cognitive realm and what these objects think of themselves. Give Yasna a, a few breaths and she could get a gray rock to oh fetch keys. If she had breath, capital B breath, she would do some amazing things. Guaranteed she would be one of the best awakeners. I wonder uh, if that's going to happen. Feel, what's that? I wonder if that's going to happen. We might see some some linkage in the future. But uh, I do, in short, I believe awakening is very similar to soul casting. Yeah, I can I can definitely get behind that. Um, I mean, the, the Elantrians it, were definitely doing transformative magics that have an end result I, almost identical to soul casting. So I, I was thinking of the soul stamping, the, the forging. Which is also very similar. I had some thoughts about soul stamping. I was going to wait, of course, until we talked about about uh, the Emperor's soul, but with the soul stamping, you're changing something's identity and connection. Well, specifically, you have to have connection to that object, which is why um, the main character has, you know, she wants to learn everything she can so she can actually form that connection and then she can change the identity of said object with soul stamping, which is very similar to soul casting. Hmm. There's a, I, I feel like there's a lot, when we start analyzing and really looking into connection and identity i think it's going to explain a lot of investiture because there's some there's some key similarities between all these different magic systems they have the same root and base and they're doing very similar things between the three uh realms that we know about the physical cognitive and spiritual i suppose that you could sort of describe iron and steel as changing the direction for down between you and a metal object. But that's a bit of a stretch. Hmm. So then we're sort of having the, um, what's it called? The, lashing? Uh, yeah, lashing, but the, there's the, it has a different term, and I'm drawing a blank currently. The but yeah, running? it's the same thing Kaladin does. What? Wind running? Well, yeah, that's what he is. It's all right. But yeah. I mean, they're called lashings. Tori got it. In one, I don't know what word you're looking for. I'm specifically looking for his school, the type of surge finding that he does. Wind running. No, no. Th there's there's ten different things, and each oh, like oh. adhesion, gravitation, and gravitation. Gravitation. Thank you. Gravitation and adhesion, and he's working with the gravitation one. Um, and adhesion. But, sure, but uh, I could I could see some similarities there. Yeah, props to Fel Knight for remembering gravitation. I remembered and, adhesion. And someone in my chat has pointed out Metal Minds use identity, which is true, and we've seen that, and we will talk about it once uh, Mistborn Era 2 comes up. Yeah, how Rukami, once you get into, like, the the rest of the 16 metals beyond the basic 8, starts getting into really wacky territory. But specifically, um, for Rukamis, they're automatically sort of stamping their identity to the, the the stuff that they're putting into a metal mine. But you can make an unkeyed metal mine 
which doesn't have an identity, and therefore you can sort of put your own identity when you draw from it, and essentially that's what the Bands of Mourning are, which is this nice power source that anyone could tap. And that anyone could fill, which is important because I think Wax, like, drained that sucker. Yeah, he did. But yeah, so I, I do think we're going to see some fun things, and and I think as the listeners, um, if you happen to do a reread, definitely try to pay attention to the way connection and identity are referred to and how they might be used. Because I, as I read and as I do my rereads, I see a lot of similarities here. And if things stand out, I'm like, this makes sense. And it's very similar to, you know, like soul stamping, like Tori said, or one of the other systems. So, and it's sort of, uh, like I said, I think it's discussed a little bit with, with Asher when he's talking about the different entities. And You know what, guys? I think we need more stuff set on um, Cell because thanks to like the geographically split up nature of the magic systems on that world, I think we get a little bit of everything there. Maybe. I think Hoyd could have just gone to that one world and like shopped around and picked up picked up all the investiture he needed. See, I sort of disagree, though. The, the Yeah, system... because it doesn't work for him because he's not from there. Yeah, yeah there's that. Um, well, the, then all the he needs systems. to do is is fiddle with his connection. So in Elantris, specifically in the book Elantris, we see the Elantrans, we see uh, the the Fjordel magic system, and we see the the one monk dude, which I can't remember his name or where he's from. But they're sort of similar. And I think we talked about it before where you have a symbol. Either the Elantrans, they draw it, the Fjordel um, zealots carve it into their body with their bones, and the monk dude the does Jinnui. it. With, yes, he, he does it as a dance, as some kind of physical uh, movements to the draw a symbol. Tai so they're all very similar, which is drawing a symbol in order to access the Andor. Um, which I've likened to is you need to draw a map because there's no shard who's controlling this power and it's actually chilling in the cognitive realm rather than the spiritual realm, which is a problem. Um, you have to draw a map so you can connect it from the cognitive realm into the physical and be a conduit of some sort, um, which is why the symbols work. So they're all very similar. Soul stamping is a little different, but I there mean, is still, still some similar. There's still the symbol drawing. Right. That's what I was going to say. There's still a similarity of you have to draw a specific symbol in order to be able to do what you need to do. But that specifically is messing with the identity of an object, whereas the other things they're doing is more what we're used to in in uh, like Alamancy, so similar to the other magic systems we've seen where stuff is happening and we're not messing with identity. So. I'm not sure if Hoy could have gotten a lot because I feel like there's a lot of similarities. And of course, there is issues with using any of the Aeon door when you're not from. You have to have connection. We know and that. You have to have connection to a geographical location on cell because that's just how Aeon door works. At this point, I'm 100% certain that, that Hoyd has the capability to manipulate that to gain, these, to gain this investiture, especially since there isn't right, a shard gatekeeping it from him. At this point. But which one does he use? He probably can't become an Elantrin. He would have to... Maybe the the Jinduese, right? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe he could have learned that because that's, like I said, dancing slash martial arts. 
So maybe he could have pulled from it. But then again, I think you have the difficulty in general of distance makes it weaker. And that's just because of where the Andor is located, which is in the Cognitive Realm. So I don't think are, that that's actually an issue as long as you have some sort of valid power source. Maybe. I don't know. Stormlight being an appropriate one. Biochromatic breath being an appropriate one. Um, I don't know about any metal, but definitely metal from um, Scadrial. I was going to say, we need to see more of the Irie and how they actually use their powers. Because that will tell us if other people could potentially pick it up or not. I we think. need our silver light novella. Yes, yes we do. Alright, I think we've gone enough this time. Uh, anyone else have anything else? Nope, I'm good. Yep. Cool. Sounds good. Uh, bye, Internet. Good night, Internet. Bye, all. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at, at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.